0: Hi, my name is Bob Brooks, founder of Long in the Tooth podcast. Most dentists fail to plan ahead for the sale of their practice, which costs them hundreds of thousands of dollars and burdens the ones they love with uncertainty about the future. So every Friday on Long in the Tooth, we share non-clinical insights from dental industry experts to help practice owners prepare for the sale of their practice today so they maximize profitability and peace of mind in the future. For all the hard work you put into building a practice, We believe that you, your family, and your staff deserve to transition after the sale into an even richer and more rewarding season of life.
1: Hi, thank you for joining us. Marie Chatterley here. We are here with Bill Rossi, who is the country's leading expert in PPO decisions and transitions. PPO decisions must be made in the context of the practice realities. Bill has over 35 years of experience in advising dental practices. And for the past 20 years, he's helped many dentists strategically and safely cut back on their PPO participation. This has added substantially to their bottom line and practice independence. And I'm thrilled to have Bill here. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thanks, Marie. Great to be here.
1: I connected with Bill a number of years ago. He was actually assisting one of my clients with this very process of dropping insurance. I was super intrigued by specialty and was thrilled to see the success that he had with that particular client. And then has since then you've worked with gosh many many of my clients. Yes. Here in Colorado. Yes. although Bill is not in Colorado, so Bill, uh, would you like to add anything in addition to your intro?
0: Oh, that's uh good. I'm out of Minneapolis and uh, one of the reasons I got into this uh, is in Minneapolis Delta is really powerful. They have like sixty to seventy five percent of the market. Most places around the country, like in Colorado, your area is like 30 or 40%. So mm-hmm. Delta is a big deal here. And, uh, they were really adversarial about 20 years ago and they unilaterally kicked twenty seventy-one 71 deaths. We call them the Delta 71 out of their network, with no notice really. And, uh, they said they basically, if you could translate the Delta E's, said they didn't like their procedure mix. And as I say, some of the guys they kicked off probably had it coming. Most of them were dentists that most dentists uh, would like to go to. At the time, they were Dawson guys or Panky guys or things like that. So they're actually treating gum disease, things like that. And because of that horrific uh, sort of uh, transition war, uh, we got a reputation for helping doctors through that, this baptism of fire is no way to put it, and then we started hearing from dentists about other insurances, like MedLife or Edna or others. And then uh, people like yourself, and then uh, John McGill, the McGill Advisory, and Brandon Collier uh, of the Collier Deal, around the country started referring us people from everywhere. And uh, there's plenty of insurance paying everywhere. So we've been helping dentists across the country with this stuff uh, since then.
1: So I think the first feedback we'd like to hear from you as an expert is if you feel that the transition from a PPO participation to going fully fee for service can be successful.
0: Yeah, I mean, if the conditions are right, and we'll get into the conditions next, but yeah, um, one of the things I say over and over again, and it's true, doctors have more power than they think they do with patients, and they often think, and the staff thinks, the only reason people see you is because of your insurance participation. It is a reason, but it's not the only reason, or even the main reason. So, you have more p more, more power than you think, and so it can be successful if you don't go off half cocked or emotional or unprepared or don't prepare your staff. If you get real mad at Delta someday and write a letter saying "the heck with you, Delta," that's almighty and righteous, you will uh you will hurt yourself. But if you think about it and do it methodically, you can be very successful. Very successful.
1: I like that. I feel that the clients that I've had here that have made this transition have all reported back to me that it's been a very successful transition. But like you're saying, it's been strategic. It's not that they just something happened overnight and they were able to change their insurance participation and have it be this wonderful, blissful experience. It was strategic and a lot of thoughtful planning. So Yeah, I used to be,
0: back in the day, of like going back to 2000, I'm a general practice manager at the Sultan Marine, you know, that's my main thing. And I have my team here has about 200 practices in the upper Midwest that we work with on an ongoing basis. That's our laboratory. We see people in and out of life all these things. And, and every practice has to find its right balance. But um, back in the day, dentists would get all righteous and mad and they would uh, it'd almost be cathartic. They'd leave Delta or something and they would not talk to their staff about it, not prepare anything, not really think about it, Said they're just mad. And you can't just leave PPO's or Delta or anything like that. You have to be working towards something. It has to be strategic, and then it's safe.
1: Yes. So if we could identify just a couple of things that a doctor should consider before changing their insurance participation yeah. or things that you would say are easy to identify.
0: Okay. Well... Essentially, uh, whether or not you participate with a PPO, it's almost like pricing. Back in the old days, no one was contracted with insurance. You had your fee. And most doctors charge average or slightly higher than average. Some more than average. Nowadays, the way your fees are set is the more PPOs you have, the lower your fee schedule is, like ballast and a balloon. So you strategically get rid of PPOs and you start closing the gap between production and collections. So if you have conditions like if you're near capacity like you're booked out or your hygienist are booked out. Uh, One of your clients I saw last week has a waiting list of 150 new patients. That was unheard. And so then why are you working at a huge discount? But you don't have to have a waiting list of new patients. But if you're fairly well capacity, you don't have plans to really expand a facility. If you have a stable staff situation, that there isn't a lot of drama going on there. And you pretty much have your act together. And there's a bunch of stuff I check out because In these transitions, I checked two parts. One is the context of the practice, how the practice does itself. Does it have latent potential? So for example, if a practice is so busy, they haven't really worked the recall or anything, uh, they have kind of just atrophied in those areas. If there's potential, they can pick up there. If there's a loss of some patients, they can make up for it. So the idea is when you leave a PPO, you should not if you do it the right way, you should not experience a downdraft and busyness or anything else. You should be able to hold how busy you are and close the gap between what you do and what you collect. So you look at the practice side, and that's because I'm a practice manager. I know I can look at a practice and see if it's ready, essentially. And there's a lot there. The second part is you look at the insurance stuff. If there are a lot of networks like Carrington, Zellas, Denimax, and all the stuff, that's a mess. If they're uh, just getting killed by write-offs like if they're working half the day for free because of the write-offs that's an indication that you probably should do something about. most there's a lot of doctors that don't even know how much they're writing off every month because they're doing this thing which drives me and charles blair and others up the wall where they program the computer to just consider their gross production what the insurance company's fees are because right. that, makes, that makes their collection percentage look good but it completely means they miss that gap between what they're actually producing, which it's not a perfect yardstick, but your production is a pretty good measurement of care. And you want to use that yardstick, and then you see what you're actually collecting, and you want to know what that gap is, how much you're writing off for Delta or MetLife or Cigna each year. And a lot of offices haven't got a clue. And it's like uh, something, you know, if you're writing off 60,000 more a month, uh, that could be more than any other expense you have, and you're completely blind to it. Drives me nuts. So, Anyway, if you have a lot of PPOs, chances are you can jettison some of those like ballast and get to a neutral point. I'm not an elitist, I think you know this. I'm not one of these people that say, you should just jump all the insurance, go insurance fees, free, tell the patients to process their own insurance, all that. I'm not like that. It's a matter of you safely backing out of the participation. And most doctors have spent the last 20 years signing up for one plan or another, and then umbrella plans. So it's time to unsign up.
1: Yeah. No, I like that because I think one of the analysis you had done with a client of mine, I really appreciated because there was a component of the participation they had where they didn't realize, like you're saying, that they were about 20% of the procedures they were doing with a specific insurance plan they were doing for free or essentially paying the patient to yeah. the procedures. And when they see that right in front of them, that is different than just, you know, building everything on the insurance fee and not your UCR fee. So you don't see what that difference is or that right. That's out-
0: the real cost even- is. And that's a, it gives me, uh, we can reconstruct or there's a way we do that, but uh, yeah. Yeah,
1: uh, I think that that's a, an essential part to look at. Cause when I think about whether, you know, changing insurance participation is viable for a practice or not, you know, each practice is very different. And the one, the example I just gave that might not be the case with somebody else across town. Maybe somebody else has a different insurance makeup, different fee schedules that have to be considered. And maybe dropping plans at a different rate makes sense for one person than another. So I, I like what you're saying that yes, it, it can be successful. We can determine if it's viable, but you have to be strategic in how you Yeah, to
0: you you know the uh like in the movie The Unforgiven, you know, the you wanna be smart on the he said lucky in the order, but you want to be smart on the order of dropping. And so you uh, so you ideally you drop a plan that uh, doesn't have a huge presence in your marketplace. So you and your staff learn how to do it. And then, so let's say a plan, let's say it's MetLife or something, it's 10% of your patients. I'm gonna postulate that you're uh, getting, let's say you're doing 100,000 a month, 10,000 a month is for MetLife patients. And you're writing out 4,000 a month in those. So you're getting six for the MetLife patients. If you safely, if the conditions are right, et cetera, and you drop MetLife, you could lose maybe twenty percent of your met live patients, but you're collecting eight instead of six. So in that little deal there, in a practice yeah, that's two, that's two thousand a month more this month, next month, for a long time. And but there's not much risk to the practice. It's a great warm up transition. But you uh, you do that a few times. Uh, one of the things we talked about talking about is if you do this, uh, if you're a doctor that's actually collecting fifty five or sixty five percent. Maybe now you're collecting 65 or 75%. And if you're collecting 10 more points than a practice doing 100,000 a month, that's some serious money. Yes,
1: yeah. And
0: and then you keep going till you get to a balance point. And uh, there's usually an edge to find. There's usually a way when I look at things, I can say, this would be the best play. Let's do this one first.
1: Yeah, I like that because I feel that you know, you touched on what I think is one of the biggest fears that clients have in making this, you know, transition with insurance participation, and that is attrition. And so even the example you gave that you've got 10% of the income coming in from MetLife and sure, even if you lose, like have some attrition with your patients of MetLife, you're still going to collect more. And so Mm -hmm. would you say, are there other fears that
0: well, that's a, well, the the hard the one that's hard to quantify, see, uh, one of the things I talk about is the guys with the, the suits at the insurance company, the guys with ties at the insurance company, everyone's just statistics to them, right? And when I do these analysis, I look at the practice statistics, but I don't know the patients. But, and I can say, well, you can lose two, 20% of your med patients and you'll be fine. But that's their Anderson family or maybe the Chatterley family. So for the doctors losing any patient, even if you're mad, I have to, the doctors like with well, a waiting list of patients um, booked out for months, hate to lose what I call the Anderson family, hate to lose individual families. And that fear really works against it because it really hurts. No matter how busy you are as a dentist, if someone leaves you, it hurts. And that uh, that can magnify itself more than it really should. You know, uh, because in any PPO transition, there will be some loss of patients. And, uh, and and you have to face that reality. Just like if in the old days, if you actually controlled your fees, if you were pricing at the 75th percentile, there'd be some patients that wouldn't come to you because they'd rather go to some place that's less. And you accept it. But when you, with insurance, there's this fear that if you leave it, all the patients won't like you anymore. And that emotional component is what gives the insurance companies a big advantage over the suits at the PPOs. that it's just numbers. And so they keep dropping the fee schedules or not raising and go, well, as long as doctors put up with it, why should we pay them more?
1: Well, and I am finding with my clients, I have yet to have anyone tell me that they had Attrition that equaled lower income when transitioning with
0: their. Yeah, I then it's never. Uh, so I yeah, I, I I won't work with an office if you know if they decide to engage me uh, for the transition. If they go ahead with the transition, I'll insist on getting data for at least eight months because I it's no fun for me if I can't see them make it out of the woods. I look at my job like being a a guide, and it's easy to jump into the swamp, but trying to get out of it, it helps to have a guide. So, but it takes a while to do it. And I've tracked this uh, over many years now. And uh, if you do things right, the practice maintains busyness, should maintain patient flow. There's always some loss of patience, but if the practice is strong enough, there's countervailing measures you can take and you'll be fine. I've never, to my knowledge, maybe there's someone that hasn't told me, but there's been no one that I have taken off Delta or anything else, the conditions were right. In the last 20 years, that's regretted had to crawl back.
1: Yeah.
0: And so I haven't had anyone go, oh gosh, I wish we didn't do this. The revenues almost always go up if the other conditions of practice are stable. In other words, the doctor doesn't break their collarbone or something, you know, um, or there isn't some kind of weird other event. The revenue always goes up. That's the whole idea, is the revenue goes up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Bill, before we wrap up this segment, can you share with us? What your services are specifically for changing participation with insurance for an individual practice?
0: Yeah, uh, I have it in a couple stages. One is uh, someone calls me, go, I'm thinking about doing it. I call that's a preparation and uh, uh, that's a feasibility and preparation stage, and that's where I get a bunch of practice staff together, and I also work with a team so they know the information they need to gather. Because I'm not teaching a team or a doctor how to drop just one PPO. I'm teaching you how to deal with PPOs in the future. So there's a feasibility and preparation stage. And that's a lot of times that's all the doctor needs. They go, thank you, I'm, a lot, I'm 10 times better organized than if I just got ticked off and dropped. The second part is the actual transition stage where I or one of my team members go on site. That's what I was doing out in your neck of the woods last week uh, all, the, all week in Denver is uh, where uh, we're taking, uh, we we go through the training of the staff and how to deal with it, how to keep it a positive message. And so basically, I probably over answered that question, but we can help a doctor um, decide if it's feasible and if so, which one's in which order and be prepared for it. And if they go ahead and do the transition, we can support them in that too. And, the, and when it comes to PPO stuff. Now, my other practice is up here in actual practice management, but that's the PPO end of things, which has become this freak specialty of mine. Like, we talk about. just I got, had to be here in Minnesota, and uh, and it's just become uh, uh, in really intense since uh, COVID. Things have been really busy, as you know. Yeah, I would yeah. have never predicted it. Would you have predicted, Marie, in the spring of two thousand twenty that dentistry would just be cracking it? You know now, and I've never had more doctors say I've had it. You know. I got to cover
1: a, Yeah, in my career, I've never had so many clients uh, transition their insurance participation as I have in the last two years. I'm yeah,
0: on, yes. It's
1: a pretty common conversation for me to have one-on-one with a variety of my clients. And
0: right.
1: so definitely having you as a resource has been wonderful. I think your background in practice management consulting gives you a different picture of what really needs to happen, the dynamics of a practice in order to be successful with a transition.
0: Yeah, yes.
1: I would argue this is a pretty big undertaking and it takes a lot for you know individuals to get to the point that they're comfortable and confident that doing this will be successful for them. So yeah. I definitely appreciate your time in us discussing these topics. Uh, please join us again for our next segment. We're gonna discuss next the process of what it's like to drop insurance. But Bill, thank you for being here. All and right. we'll talk to you soon.
0: All right, thank you.